guys. You're listening to Mama Knows Podcast with your host, Nina Cavajola, aka Balconina. Join in weekly as she walks alongside you to navigate topics around motherhood, mental health, self-love, and relationships. The good, bad, and funny. Do you find that there's a lack of confidence in your relationship right now with your husband, partner, whoever? Do you feel like that things are just not as bright and exciting and kind of just dull at the moment? If you do, this episode's for you. We are going to be refinding the confidence in our relationships today with Dr. Tracy D. She is one of our favorite couples therapists, and I'm so excited to have her back on. Let's dive in. Hi, Dr. Tracy. How are you? Oh, I'm doing well, (laughs) Nina. I just love the opportunity to sit with you and with your community. I was thinking before we jumped on how special it is to have the chance to sit and have these conversations with you. So thank you for inviting me back. Oh, thank you for being here. I feel so lucky to be, to know you and like I actually shared your book the other day. We were traveling. I don't know if you saw it on Instagram. I don't think I saw it. No. I, I was reading your book in the airport and I shared a picture of it. And I there was like hun- like thousands of people who clicked and were like, oh my God, I needed this. So I just feel like you're always with me. <laughs> you're always with me that. and my husband. You know, and it's like you know, with self-help books, I feel like, and yours isn't, I wouldn't say it's like a super hardcore self-help, but I do feel like there is work to be done when you're reading it. So for me, when I'm reading like self-help or books that are supposed to help me be a better person, it takes me a lot longer and I have to kind of take breaks because I can't always be doing the work. I mean, I'm always doing the work, but I can't always be like, all right. Yes. Yes. And I hear you. I tend to read my self-help in the morning and I like to read fiction at night. Yeah. But I wrote, I didn't sign up with, for this, my book. I wrote the book with that in mind in a way. So it's actually written as part self-help, part memoir. And so it's written in fiction format yeah. where at the end of the chapter, you feel like what's going to happen next. I need mm-hmm. to know what, what, where, where do we go from here? I love and so it. it's my, my hope that people really get invested in the couples, the very real people who I sit with every single day and be able to then say, Oh, I see myself in this person's story. So I have to ask whose story are you connecting with? Do you remember any of their names? Not the names. I actually read it like I read a chapter in the airport and then I switched to, you know, I read The Four Winds. That was depressing. Have you read that book? No. <laughs> it's, about, it's about the De- Great Depression. Anyways, um, the couple were... That was the- an interesting switch up. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, it was one of those books that was going to expire on my Audible or on my Libby app. So um, I relate to um, the girl, the wife that is like the breadwinner. What's her name? Emily and Matt. Yes. Yes. Yeah. They are a very common couple that shows up in my office where she not only feels like she's managing her team at work, but comes Mm -hmm. home and feels like the CEO. And now with a newborn, with an infant, she just feels the weight of the mental load. Yep. The mental load. Yeah. And of course he gets defensive mm-hmm. and actually we did it. Let's plug your other podcast episode we did together. We did a mental load conversation yep. before. Yeah. Yeah. I'll put that below too. We've done a couple now. This is our third. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Uh, I love it. So today I actually want to talk about confidence in your relationship. And that's pretty broad term, but I feel like right now, my girls, my girls listening, my girls on socials, we're in this confidence finding era because I made everybody get on this confidence finding era train with me. (laughs) I love it. So I think that in order to be confident in your life, fully confident in your life, you have to be confident in different aspects of your life. And it's it's kind of like a step program, right? So first you have to be confident in yourself and it's something that doesn't come easy or natural. It's not something that just happens. You have to choose to be confident. And I feel like you can agree with me that that's how it is in relationships. It's not something you can't just have this like happy-go-lucky, confident, like everything's great relationship every single day because you have to do the work. So mm-hmm. I'm coming to you and I'm hoping you can help my girls listening here find their confidence in their relationships, especially the relationships that feel really dull right now. Relationships where you feel like you're roommates, where you're not dating, you have little kids. So you're just constantly like splitting up. And at the end of the night, you're like, I literally asked Tom last night. I was like, I don't think we kissed today at all. Like, I don't don't remember touching you at all today. Mm, so uh and then when that the more that happens the more you like don't kiss the more you don't connect and it just becomes kind of this thing this routine and next thing you know your partner's annoying the shit out of you over everything and you're like picking at things and it's a spiral right so let's help the girls find their confidence in their let's help me too because you know we we all get in those ruts we, we do. And, and let's even start with normalizing that and just being able to say, yeah, I know what those ruts are. I know how easy it is to feel annoyed and frustrated. And really, when I dig underneath that, I slow it down and I say to myself, what's this really about? It is a lacking of connection. And we, we lose that connection over time, especially with young children, because we are pouring out all of our energy and focus and time into our children. I also think there is a major identity shift for women. And you and I talked about this on my podcast about, mm-hmm. you know, that switch that happens when you become a mother, you become this fierce mama bear where you are forced to reparent yourself in some ways, if you're ready and willing, you are forced to face these big emotions in front of you. Some of your kids, your infant or toddler, and some are yours. And that takes a lot of work. So how normal it is then for people to then start saying, well, who are we now? We as a couple, as building interdependence. And as you're talking about confidence, I was thinking, you know, there's such this great sense of knowing that you need in order to be confident. Yeah. Like like a sense of knowing yourself, don't you think? Oh yeah, I absolutely. And it's definitely something for me, confidence isn't something that just came easy. It's not something that I didn't just wake up and say, I'm gorgeous. I'm beautiful. I'm strong. Like the affirmations that doesn't come easy to me. It's something that you have to practice, but yeah, I definitely feel that for me, confidence in motherhood had, I mean, confidence in motherhood alone, marriage aside, really kicked me and really kicked me because you, you really want to be this amazing, incredible mother and trying to break the cycle, you know, a cycle breaker, as they say. But then 
the little people, they don't care. Like, they're, and they're not they don't supposed care. To. And, you know, yeah. and yeah, they're not supposed to. And then you add your relationships to it and you're supposed to nurture those too. Yes. I don't know. It's hard. It's, it's not so, easy. So something that I wish more people understood in terms of their parenting journey is that when we feel secure, connected, and confident in our relationship, parenting and the day-to-day stressors actually feel easier, right? Because relationship distress is insidious. It just seeps into us. Resentment, frustration, it seeps into us. And that pulling apart between two people, not feeling secure, not feeling trusting, not feeling loved or lovable, that just creates so much more stress. Even if we were to go to our bodies on our nervous systems of not feeling held and connected and soothed in hard moments with our partnership, how then can we turn to our children and offer that to them? So I always, as a couples therapist, I love to reframe the importance of your relationship because I know what we do. And I did this too. It's it's what I write about in my book is everything gets poured into our kids. We read the parenting book. We focus on the bedtime routine. We focus on planning whatever activity it is for the child in the middle of winter because you're home, right? Like we do those things. But if we could just take a little bit of that focus and put it back to our partners and remember that our children are going to be okay. They are more okay when they see two people loving, connected, and feeling secure together. Yeah. So I have a question about how to get to the connection piece with your partner, because I'm in this confident building era myself, and I have been for a couple of years now. I've been doing a lot of self-help, self-care, and sometimes I feel like my partner's not there. Like I feel like he doesn't care about that self-help piece as much as I do. Mm-hmm. And you can't make somebody, like you can't make someone do it. I mean, he does so many amazing things. He's an amazing person, but how do you, or how do the women listening who feel like they're ready, they like want to do this confidence piece. They want to do all the hard work, but their partner's like, why this, this is dumb. What, yeah. What I mean, I, I think sometimes our partners hear us saying like, we're reparenting, we're breaking cycles. And they're like, okay, I don't know what that means. But if we say things like, I really want to work on us feeling close and connected. I think most partners will say, yeah, count me in. I want to feel that too. Because we're talking about a core need and the need to feel connected is part of that. The need to feel like you're getting attention from each other is part of that. So we could even go into something really foundational as, so you, Nina, I want you to think, what did you and Tom do when you first started dating? that was a way of connecting or letting the other person know that they were important. Did you greet each other at the door? Did you text each other fun moments? Did you say, I can't wait to see you tonight? And you feel the tingles in your belly. Yeah, we did all those things. We we were super lovey-dovey, giddy. Like we were, we're both pretty like funny people and sarcastic. So we would constantly be going back and forth, texting. Um, Tom is definitely more quiet in person, but he will pour his heart out in text and writing. So that's actually one thing we've talked about in therapy is how, since we're both home now, we work from home, he doesn't send me those sweet long texts anymore. Mm -hmm. So I'm like missing that piece. 
Mm. And I, that's a big piece that's missing. And I, I, I've asked him multiple times, but it's, I don't think it's that simple for him. I feel like the connection needs to happen on both ends, but yeah, I, that's and then missing. You're, you're, you're touching on an important point. And this was also a huge piece of contention for people who were forced to be working at home during lockdowns, right? We think of t- relationships, 2020 to 2023, et cetera people who are still working from home or people where partners have now joined businesses together. You and I are both in that same position Yeah, yeah. Um, where then it's like, okay, so who goes out of the home and is Tom making sure that he fills up his own identity so that then he feels this sense of distance from you so he can come back and feel wanting to share what he just did with you. Right. So, and again, parents to young children, struggle to do this. We, we struggle to pour into ourselves that build excitement and nurturance into our identity. And then that gets poured into our relationship. Yeah. I, I mean, that's head on. Like he just left, he just left to go up North to take care of some things at our cabin. And he was gone for a couple of days and it, I, I love that time personally. Like, I think it's so nice. And and then I'll get the sweet text from him. And when he comes home, we have a lot to talk about. And we feel, I feel reconnected, but how do you kick someone out of the house? That's not like interested in self-care right. era. <laughs> like he's like, oh, I, don't need to hang. <laughs> I don't need to hang out with anyone. I don't need to go do anything. Like he's yeah. not that yeah. type. So then I feel like I'm constantly asking for attention and then I get annoyed with him because, you know, it's like a cycle. Right. Right. That's the cycle, right? That's where we get stuck then and nothing shifts. And so for for some people too, when it comes to even these behavioral things, find something that works for you and your partner, but then also find a way to integrate it into your life. So we have phones attached to us. Set a reminder on your phone each day, send partner a message, right? Like we can do those things. I had one couple where anytime she would say something that she liked, he just learned to put it in his phone in a notes pad section. So then once a week, he could go to that and do that for like, and it's funny because in relationships, we are resistant to putting in behavioral strategies that work in the workplace, that work with our kids. We're resistant to do that in our relationship. And the reality is we are busy. And if we don't get intentional about that, then yes, we're going to feel like roommates. We're going to feel like we're stuck in a rut. You know what our therapist asked us to do this week? So we were talking about the things that fill our cups for each other. So like, what does he do that fills my cup? And then I'm very open about it. Like, I will tell you all day long what I need. And he's his answer is usually like, oh, I'm fine. Nothing. I'm fine. Everything's fine. Which isn't, I don't believe that. Right. <laughs> but, he has needs too. But our therapist gave him homework and said, for this week, your homework is to notice what does Nina do that like brings you joy or makes you happy or like triggers some happiness or whatever. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if he's doing it. We're going to see. I'm actually really glad he has to report back on it because <laughs> I want to know, like, I want to know, can I get a list? Right. Because I'm the type that will do those things. Like I, you know, so what about the people listening who don't have a therapist who gave people homework? Like, what do you do when you have a partner who's like, it's fine. Everything's fine. You don't right. need to do anything. Like, right. Just, no, it's, yeah. It, it's being able to say, no, it's not fine. Let's sit down. I need to hear this. This is important for us, for our overall connection. It's about us saying it in a way, not in a resentful, critical way of, you never tell me what you need. You never do this for me, right? Because we can get trapped in that. 
And that just creates more disconnect. But instead being able to say, our connection is so important. I need to know what excites you in what way and how can I do that? I need you to think about that. I'm going to ask you again in a few days. Can you tell me? Okay. And it's interesting. I I wrote a blog post actually about men being on autopilot. And in some ways, if we kind of like zoom out into the societal and cultural messaging for men, they are taught to shove their emotions down, to shove their needs down, to be fine, to be the strong ones. And what lurks underneath that is shame if they don't get things right. And so I think a lot of men do live on autopilot and it is, it's difficult because then here you are in a heterosexual relationship, you being like, here's all my needs, here all my, you know, I'm learning to identify them. Look, I've got them. Here's all my needs. And they're like, okay, okay. And you know, then they're staying on autopilot. And, and I know, I know every single person has needs. It's just about how do we actually then tap into it? And how do we then as the partner, instead of getting frustrated, like, you know, and I can do that with my partner. Hey, what do you need? Like, tell me, like, just tell me, do you need something? And that frustration pushes them away. But if we could tap into curiosity, that curiosity can open a conversation. It can open understanding. It can open up maybe something else. And their needs could look very different from ours. It might not be that need for connection and attention, but it might be like, come hold me on the couch. Um, Come sit closer to me. Grab my hand while we're out. Send me the text, something exciting. What can I do? Say I'm doing all those things, right? Like I'm in tune. I'm willing to do the work. But then I feel annoyed because my partner is not following through or doing the things like I've literally spelled it out. I made you a list. I can engrave it in wood if you need like and they still continue to not do the things that you need. But like in my case, Tom is like super. He's so involved in so much. He does so much. But it takes a lot of effort for me to like switch my brain to like, okay, he does do a lot. He's doing this, 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 and this, and he's amazing. And he's thinking of me, but it's, I have to actually think about it because he's not giving me, I'm going back to like love languages, but like he's not doing it in the way that I see as love. You know what I mean? He's doing it in the way that he thinks that I will appreciate. And I do, but sometimes a girl just wants to be told like, I love you. You're beautiful. You're working so hard. I'm so proud of you. How can I help? Like, I'm a very verbal person and he's not. So that's where I'm like, what do I do? Because I feel annoyed that he can't do that for me, although he does it in different ways, but like, it's not the same. Does that even make sense? So, so, so this is like one of the most common things that I hear. I was working with someone recently who was like, I need the romance. And of course, right. We read all these great romance books and we're like, just touch me like this guy in this book. Like, you know, do it this way. It, it, it's, it's really difficult because where I go with people that I work with, and this is, I'm just going to preface this by saying this is a really hard, hard, hard truth. I think you and I have even gone here before in our other podcast episodes, but we need to uncover what the meaning is behind that. What would it mean to you if your partner is giving you the thing that you want? What does it mean about you in terms of your lovability, your sense of self? What's it giving to you that you've been longing for for a really long time? Probably didn't even start with your partner. And then can you start accepting that this is not who that person is? And the more you go to the door and you knock, hello, just give this to me, give this to me, give this to me, the more angry and annoyed you become. 
what if we have to shift into accepting who this person is? Yeah. And starting to give this to ourselves. Yeah. And that's a really hard thing for us to do in a relationship because you know, in some ways it gives us the sense of power, which we all want to feel power of going to someone and say, I need this, just give this to me, right? Like you're trying to find that sense of agency. True agency is when you can start giving it to yourself. Yeah. And so remember like just kind of what I had written down earlier, that sense of knowing, knowing yourself and giving it to yourself is that confidence within a relationship. But if we continue to go to them, you're defective, you're not doing this. Why can't you be different? We're just spinning. And that's really hard because then at the end of the day, that asks the question, am I willing to accept who this person is? Can I accept that? Because they give me all of these other things. And it's a hard question to ask ourselves. Yeah, no, you're right. Absolutely. And it's something that comes up all the time. And when I was in therapy and our couples therapy, Mm -hmm. you know, it's like I have this constant need of validation and I know it stems from childhood and Mm -hmm. It's not easy. Like, it's not easy. I've been doing it for so long, trying to figure it out. And, but I will say, like I, like I was just saying about all the things Tom does, I've come a long way. It takes a lot of like thinking for me, but I actually can shift my attitude towards Tom when I like actually slow down and think, wow, he actually is like incredible. He's doing so much. And then can you retrain your brain to focus on that? Because adult Nina can say, I can validate myself. I know how to do that. And now can I look at all the things that he's offering me, right? Yeah. Can I look at those parts? There's something else in here too. There, There's this piece of maybe even being that person that's like, if you're hanging out in the kitchen one day, be like, Tom, tell me you love me. You know, tell me that you're so proud of me. And could he do it then? And if he's, if he turns to you and says, I am so proud of you. I love you so much. I'm grateful we're doing this together. Like you're rocking this. Is that okay for you? And some, and some people are like, no, it has <laughs> to come from them. It's like, yeah. well, you know, I think that's a myth that we tell ourselves as women is that my partner should just be able to give this to me. But what, what if instead, so you said like, how do we get out of this dull roommate thing? Go sit beside your partner closer on the couch tonight. Go into them and say, squeeze me, give me a hug. Yeah. Get into their space. I love that. Get into their space, even if you don't want to, right? Like make yourself do it. It's pr- It takes practice. And then earlier you had mentioned, start the conversation. Like I want to feel connected to you. What can we do? But what if you have a partner that's not willing to open up and have the conversation? Do you have tips for women on how they can approach the importance of getting that secure connection with their partner through different ways. That's not just conversation. Yeah. Yeah. Security can come from a felt sense from the things that you do together, or it could also be emotionally. When we think about secure attachment, we're looking at, are you, I I go to Dr. Sue Johnson's ARE conversation. So A, are you accessible? So do I believe I can go to you? R, will you respond to me? Are you responsive? And E, will you engage with me? Are you going to be vulnerable with me as well and take my words carefully and hold them and not mock me with them? And so we do want to be able to have those conversations. And some people can do them in different ways and other people can't. So if they struggle to do it that way, is there another way you can build security? Can you go for walks and hold hands together? Is there a way of physically connecting? But I think in some ways, 
If your partner is not willing to do any of that, then you need to be asking yourself, what kind of partnership are we in? Yeah, that's that's really deep and important and definitely something like asking your partner, like if you're unable to have these hard conversations with me and if you're unable to do this, then what what can we do to get you to that point? Mm, or what can we do together? And is it even, is it an experience together? So we often think of intimacy through emotional sharing or through sex and intimacy can be felt through intellectual sharing. So maybe you listen to a podcast together. It could be through an experiential type of intimacy where you're actually doing something together. Do you go for a hike in a new spot together? Um, do you try a new board game together? There are all of these other ways to define a relationship. I always want to make sure people understand that, you know, while emotional intimacy might be what you're longing and craving for, some people can't give it to you. It doesn't mean it's a bad or an insecure relationship, but it means what work am I willing to do in myself? Am I willing to accept who this person is and then find the other ways that are going to work for us? Or am I going to be ending the relationship? I mean, that's like two extremes, right? But there's yeah. all this other work that we can do in between that. Yeah. So what I'm gathering is have the conversation and make sure they understand how important this is to you and how important it is for your marriage. However, you got to do that personal internal work first. Like what, what yeah. do you need and why do you need that? And what is your partner offering that you're maybe missing? Oh. Right. Cause sometimes our partners are offering things that we don't even notice because uh -huh. we're waiting for that. that. That's me. Like that's classic right. me. Right. There, there's something else in there too. So we, we go to our partners and we say, here's my empty well, you need to fill up my well. We go once and we say, well, I, I told him or her what I wanted and they didn't give it to me. And it's like, okay, so then let's think of other ways. So I encourage couples and I, I wish more people were doing this earlier on in their relationships to have weekly check-ins with each other. You know, what's, what's going on in your world that's stressful? Um, how can I support you moving into the next day, the next week? How do you feel about our love? What do you appreciate about our relationship right now? And by asking each other these questions and knowing that it's a practice, then you're going to have a better chance of having these conversations more regularly. If we kind of come out of, out of the blue or it's like these, we're and I'm exaggerating intentionally to make a point, but we're always having these big conversations of, I have this empty well, you're not giving me what I want. Why can't you just, if you would be different, what does your partner do? Your partner is going to shut down because all they hear is you are not giving me what I need. You, and then they hear you are not enough. And that shuts anybody down. But if we go into this as start your morning, the Gottmans had this question. I think it's a beautiful question. How is your heart and mind today? Ask yourself, ask each other that question in the morning. And truthfully, the first time I asked my husband, he was like, mm, I don't know. I mean, you know, there wasn't this like in-depth yeah. response. And I accepted it and said, I'm so glad we had this moment. And then I asked again, he asked. I asked again. You're so asked. nice. I would have been like, just answer, say something. <laughs> like there's gotta be something. You're so sweet. <laughs> I might have gently said there's something in there, right? <laughs> but, but we can, we can start building these routines and stretching a muscle. We're skill building, even yeah. in relationships. We're skill building around building confidence within ourselves and we've got to do it in our relationship. So, yeah. you know what, where I struggle with that, we tried it with the weekly meetings. We've tried it a couple of times and 
we we would love to do it. However, I get annoyed that I'm always the initiator. Oh, I just had this question come in. Yes. Oh, because, okay, so like he's- But why always... does it annoy you? Why? Would it, like, what does it mean about you if you have to initiate? I, because I feel like I'm the only one that cares to put the work in. However, I know every time we have him, he's 1000% in. He's always giving his heart. Like he's participating. He's willing to do it. He's down for it, but he won't initiate. And I just can't get past that. I, I want to, because I think it's fine. I can be the initiator. It's probably fine, <laughs> but I it's just fine. want him to be like, Hey, let's have our weekly meeting. We attach the meaning of initiation to a desire, to a worthiness, and to a wanting and a lovability. And I believe that we have this message sent to us as young girls. If a friend comes to us and asks you to play with them, oh, look, I'm wanted and I'm liked. Um, I can remember in early dating days, my friends saying, don't be the first to tell your boyfriend that you love him, right? Don't be the initiator. You should be the one to sit there and look pretty. And, and so I think that even is a poking holes into this belief around, so what about initiation? And what if there are other, just for the listener to kind of poke a hole in this, what if there are other ways that your partner tries to initiate with you that you're missing? What if they're walking by you and they put their hand on your back and that's an initiation? Or I I tell this story where, you know, one day I'm like right in the good spot of my book. I'm sitting at the breakfast table. The kids have finally left. Like, yes, I get to read this book. I can't wait to finish. I'm right at the, like, right at the peak. Greg sits down across from me. He looks out the patio door and he's like, the grass is really green this year, huh? <laughs> and that that's, is him. That's literally my husband too. <laughs> but it's I'm, so annoying. Like, no. I, I, I know. I hear you, Nina. It's like, why can't you just be more like me? <laughs> so yes. I put the book down. I put the book down. I noticed my urge to want to be like, uh-huh, the grass and read my book. I put the book down and we end up having this really lovely conversation. That was his signal to me, right? But oh. if I if I had not seen that as a bid, I would have missed that chance to connect with him. Or if I would have even said, hey, like peak moment in the book, I'm coming back to your grass comment in five minutes. That also could have met both of our needs. But going back to the initiation piece, I often say to women, so what? So you're initiating. Do the initiation, but you've got to let go of that attachment of what it means about you and your lovability. And the fact that your partner is willing and stepping into that space with you is important. But if we're going to tie everything down to that initiation, I don't know, it's a really narrow definition, right? Yeah. And do you feel that way about everything and all areas of initiation? Like even... Cause I'm always initiator and in everything in my family. I've always like, I'm the one that keeps everyone together. And, you know, at the dinner table, I'm always the one that's let's talk about what we're grateful for, you know? Yeah. And is, do would you say that that's fine? Be the initiators, you know, as long as you feel like I do feel he's involved and connected once I initiated. As long as you're not building resentment. And if there's resentment in there, then we need to do a little more of a deeper dive. So I think the answer really is it depends. Yeah. Yeah. That depends. Well, I'm really glad I brought the initiating thing up because Mm -hmm. that Mm -hmm. just eats me alive. And I need to work on that somehow because I think you're right. I think it, it stems from like the desire to feel desired and needed. Yeah. Right. 
But there are all these other ways that Tom does that with you, that he brings this sense of desire and need. He does it differently. And I think sometimes we see these differences and we focus on them as ways of building wedges between us rather than seeing how is this a strength that brings us together? And of course, our partners are these windows into all of this stuff that we are still working through. And that is a heavy lift, especially when you have young children, especially when you're sleep deprived and all of the things. Can you imagine having a partner that's just like you? I could not, I would not be able, no. (laughs) No, no. And that's the thing. I always ask people at the start of our, our couples therapy work is what was it that attracted you to each other? And, you know, and you would have read this in with Emily and Matt's story in the book as well, is that you know, oftentimes the very thing that drew you to that person is the thing that frustrates you the most. Um, the story of Ashley in the book actually is where she really resented her husband's outgoing nature. And when we dug into it, part of that was because she had closed herself off and wasn't allowing herself to speak her truth. Uh, that's deep. Well, thank you, Tracy. I'm so glad to always talk to you. I love talking to you. It makes me feel better about myself and my marriage. And I hope the listeners feel like they have some contacts to go off of and start building some more confidence in our relationships. I know I have a lot of young mom listeners who are like in the uh, ruts of motherhood, right? right? Right. And remember that security in your relationship truly comes from taking risks and doing those hard things. And that the more vulnerable we are, the more confidence we build. And so practicing that vulnerability with your partner, because it's something that's going to be good for you, is going to help you build more confidence. And that's what we need more of. Yeah. And the biggest thing I preach about confidence is it's not something that comes natural. It's something that you have to choose to practice Mm -hmm. in Mm -hmm. every, in every aspect, every aspect. So yes. And so for the listeners, then thinking of, you know, where do you go in your relationship? Think of one small thing that you can start consistently doing and you choose to do it because it feels good for you. So maybe it's putting down your phone and sitting closer to your partner on the couch. Maybe it's saying, hey, tonight between 8.30 to 9, let's put our phones away. And, And I'm specifically talking about our phones because they're so disruptive in our relationships and connection. Um, and be able to then just take a 10 minute debrief and see where it goes. Hey, how was your day? What was hard today? Did you have something happen that you wish you could tell me about? How did you feel about the kids meltdown at bedtime and practice listening and connecting and seeing each other? Yeah. I love that. Thank you, Tracy. And where can we find you? Yes. The best place is on Instagram. I love when people come over and say hi to me after they've listened to a podcast episode. So it's Dr. Tracy D. All my links are there as well. Come say hello. Let me know what stood out for you from our conversation today. And then do check out my book. It's drtracyd.com forward slash book. It's such a fun read. I leave you with exercises at the end of every chapter. So you're going to get a lot from it. I love it. I love it. I will link everything below and thank you. I hope to talk to you again soon. Thanks, Nina. As always, if you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review, subscribe, follow on socials and come back next week.